that's that's huge for me is just finding myself and finding what I love and and being okay with it and being like yeah I love to do these things and maybe I don't push myself as much as this next person but I could I could decide to later and just because I didn't in the past doesn't mean I can't now and that's adventure wedding and elopement photographer Abby Hearn and this is the Wilder Mind podcast my mind grows wilder when I stoke that fire inside Hear the call in the distance. It's a long road worth your while. Hey, uh, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Wilder Mind podcast. I am your host, Cody Camerlin. Thank you so much for coming back and tuning in, or for being here for the very first time. I am so glad to have you all along. For this wild ride and what a wild ride it's been when this started if you had told me i'd be sitting with the amazing folks i've had the chance to i am not sure that i would have believed it and now just four episodes in we have abby hearn i met with abby and her husband cal in page arizona side note You'll just hear from Abby today, but in the coming months, you'll for sure hear from both of them in a future episode. For now, back to Paige. A beautiful city that lies just in the southern edge of the Great Basin Desert. Here, Abby was partnering with Maddie May, Amber, and Tori of Adventure Instead Elopement Photographers and Guides to lead two sold-out sessions of the Adventurer Workshops. Second side note, Adventure Instead You'll probably hear from them in a future episode as well. I'd known of the Hearns for years, but had never had the pleasure of actually knowing them. Rather, I was one of so many that followed their adventures of life on the road and their jaw-dropping elopement and adventure photography through Instagram. From the beginning, I was really drawn to Abby's self-awareness and her honesty. There was a real sense of responsibility that she seemed to carry to share what life was really like behind the stunning photographs and beautiful locations. That behind everything was a real human wading her way through the undulations of life's ever-changing seasons. From building a business while living on the road to ensuring that the adventure remained alive and doing this all when the person in the seat next to her is her adventure buddy, husband, and business partner. I respect and admire her tenacity to provide a voice for Leave No Trace principles and to impart that on her clients, friends, family, and fellow photographers. I'd love to share more on this subject, but she puts it best herself, so I'll let that come through in the episode. Seriously, Abby is a beacon. So, with that, take a deep breath of that crisp morning air. The blue skies are juxtaposed against the red hues of the desert landscape. Out here, motion itself has been frozen, captured in the waves of the surrounding sandstone. There's a light chill in the air, a subtle reminder that tomorrow the snowfall begins. But today, today it feels like spring. Now, let's do the damn thing. Talking about my hydro flask and my family and my <laughs> earrings and... Your ear. brush and the things that I'm seeing in front of me right here. <laughs> it's like how you teach a kindergarten to speak. Right, right. right. Just like, what is this? Hmm. Uh, perfect. That's good. Great. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Okay, Abby, we cool. are. We're, we got hot mics. All right. Yeah. 
Yay. So, Abby, thank you for taking the time to sit down for the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a good surprise breakfast. <laughs> Such a, yeah, great breakfast for Paige. <laughs> 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 I was talking to some Paige local the other day, and they were like, oh, yeah, Moab, like, the food is so good there. And I was like, how grim must it be here that you think that the food in Moab is good, but... You're no, I like think the food in Moab is good after a week in Page, so. <laughs> You're making the tourist boards of both Page and Moab very happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the places are beautiful. Don't come here for a food trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, really, really true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Canyon Crepes. Canyon Crepes. What a little gem. Check out the show notes for a link. If you're in Page, stop by. You won't be disappointed. Canyon Crips. So good. Yeah. Canyon Crips is amazing. Delicious. Yeah, I can't shout out to them enough. Yeah, for yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason we are in Paige right now is you are in, right in the middle of a workshop, right? Yeah. So I am teaching a workshop with a fellow photographer. Um, it's called the Adventures Workshop, and it's for mostly established wedding photographers that are looking to get more into the adventure elopement game and we're currently in the middle of two, so our first one that we released um, sold out in 26 minutes when we released it. So yeah, all 20 spots, just people were right on it. And so Maddie and I were like, yeah, we definitely need to do a second one. Um, and we just decided to do it two days later so we could stay in page and keep it simple. And that one sold out in 18 minutes. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That is a hell of a reception. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> people were stoked. <laughs> So what has that been like doing the, um, trying to balance that with, you know, just the, your normal daily routine? Yeah, it's good. We plan these to be in the off season. So I'm actually coming off of almost, I guess, a month and a half without shooting. Um, I came out to Paige and did two, worked with two couples this weekend and then started the workshop right after that. But um, it's been good. I've been able to chill and relax a little bit we went to switzerland for two weeks and then pretty much came straight here so it's a little hectic to go straight into teaching after taking a break off of the actual work that i'm teaching about but i think it's been good because i've had a lot of time to reflect and know what i want to teach on how has that looked like that reflection period and like what has it shown you that you want to teach yeah so i've found i mean the point of the workshop is really that anyone that attends and then implements the things that we're teaching, we hope that within a year um, they're seeing a huge difference in inquiries and the couples that they're booking and the gigs that they're doing. Um, and that is true to last year's workshop. Um, we definitely have some examples of people that went in and really just implemented exactly what we taught and now are booking those dream gigs and doing what they want to do and building the business around it. Um, one thing that Maddie and I are huge on is that there's not one way to become an adventure elopement photographer, and it's really important to find your own path in that. Um, Maddie and I both have really different ways of doing it, and the more that we grow our businesses, the more they grow apart and are more different. Um, so it's been fun to teach that to our attendees, but I've definitely found for me the biggest thing I care about teaching is teaching people sustainability once they are out in these places and you know just to respect the places and respect the rangers and the rules and know that the things that are in place there like permitting and um, not going off trail and that kind of thing it's all to protect the park and to respect those places when they're out there i have to jump in here and take a moment to share some things about stewardship leave no trace principles and abby 
If you don't already, I urge you to follow Abby and scroll through her posts and keep an eye on her stories. She is constantly pushing for a greater sense of awareness in outdoor spaces and sharing ways that we can all treat nature better. She's open, she's honest, and she's always willing to learn. And please, like always, remember that the person on the other side of that social media account is in fact a real human. She reads and responds to these messages herself. Be kind, be courteous. I love that. And I thank you for doing that because uh, we see this influx of people going to these natural spaces um, and, you know, Instagram and things like that have made it a little more accessible and people think it's easier to get to and that maybe it's not as dangerous as it is or they don't treat it with the respect they should. So that's a great thing to be teaching people. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure, I know that you and Cal, when you look at who you're going to do an elopement for, you talk to them about what their prior experience is outdoors and with adventure and maybe not everyone's doing that. So it's good mm-hmm. to be mindful and, and help people out with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say one of the reasons we're so vocal about um, Leave No Trace and our principles in the outdoors on our social media is one, obviously just to educate people and because we really care about it, but it helps kind of prepare our clients for that. So by the time that we meet up with someone to shoot their wedding in Moab, they know for sure we're not going to let them walk on crypto for a shot. And oftentimes our brides, like, we'll be hiking out. And before I even point it out, she'll be like, oh, this is cryptobiotic soil. And, like, educate the groom on it and be like, yeah, this is this because this and we can't step on it. And it's all stuff that they've seen, like, on my social media and me sharing about it. And that's, like, I mean, that's my favorite thing in the world is when I know that what we're saying actually has an impact on people and is helping people be more responsible in the outdoors. That's, well, I can tell you had an impact on me today when we were hiking here on Page and you educated me on what cryptobiotic soil is. Yeah. Um, I love it. And I'm going to tell everybody about it because... And I'm doing that now. Head on over to the show notes for a link to the NPS website for some great information about cryptobiotic soil. It's important. And then I also feel cool like I'm yeah. educating people. So <laughs> right. actually, could you share with our listeners a little, because I found it fascinating. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, a lot of the desert, if you go to Utah and explore the desert, um, you'll see this stuff. It's like a black crust on the soil that if you look really close, it's actually, it's a plant. It's a living organism that is growing and holds the soil together. It retains moisture. And I mean, more or less, in especially in the Moab area, it holds the entire desert together. It's why the ecosystem out there can exist. Um Without crypto, it would just be like vast sand dunes, but it basically creates soil where there's sand and allows plants to grow. And um, it's extremely fragile and one footstep can have a huge impact and can take hundreds of years for it to regrow. So if you go to Moab, you'll see a lot of trails that say stay on the trail. You'll see a lot of signs that say don't bust the crust. Um, And that's not because it's ugly to see footprints, it's because those footprints are literally destroying the ecosystem. And one of my favorite things I've seen recently is a sign that said, it only takes one set of footprints for thousands to follow. And I think it's really important when you're in the outdoors to think about everything you do, anything that you do that feels like you're just kind of breaking the rules for this one thing, maybe for one Instagram photo, or just to get out to a spot, see a certain vantage point. Um, think if a thousand people did it right after you and if it's going to destroy the place, then don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And that speaks to one thing that for me made you and Cal stand out so much is that 
I mean, okay, the photography is gorgeous, which we'll talk <laughs> about. Um, but you're like a, a park ranger and a scientist and a photographer <laughs> and adventure all into one. And I think especially with the rise of social media, it's so important that when you're out there that you are such a good steward of the outdoors, which you are, um, because people are going to follow, but if they follow in the right way, then it's then it's great. Exactly. But if you're not in educating people about those things. So so we'll, we'll jump way back now. <laughs> so did you grow up in an outdoors family or is this something that you kind of came to yourself? How did that all look? Um, I grew up in a pretty traditional family in Austin, Texas, and we would, you know, my parents always put an emphasis on the outdoors. They weren't major hikers, backpackers, climbers, but we had our birthday parties at like the local park um, on the creek and you know, we spent our days swimming outside and going to the lake and doing that kind of thing. Um, and then we did a number of big road trips growing up. We went out to the first national park I ever went to is Grand Teton when I was three. And that was a road trip with my family and my dad's side of the family. Um, it was pretty wild. It was wow. like so many people. And we <laughs> all went out there. We did the Tetons. We went to Yellowstone was kind of the main point of the trip. I think we went to Mount Rushmore. Um, the Badlands, and then came back to Texas. and That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. We covered so much. It's funny, the more, the older I get, the more I'm like, dang, that trip was mega. Like, the, my parents <laughs> made that happen. Um, and, you know, I don't have a lot of memories from that trip, but it's cool because some of the photos from it and knowing that my parents did that, it's just huge. And I think it has had a big impact on me. Um, and then when I was 10, we went to Yosemite for the first time. And... It's funny, I found this photo of my family out there, and it's like a group shot at one of the first viewpoints where you see Half Dome, and everyone's smiling like normal people, and I have this like way over Stoke face. Like my <laughs> smile is huge, my eyes are huge, and I like to think that that was this like kind of look into the future of how I would feel about the place. And you know, it's weird because I didn't, I didn't grow up going there. I went when I was 10, and then I went again when I was 16, and then. Um, the next time I went was with Callan for our honeymoon, and I really fell in love with it through, like, my own research, and um, I got really obsessed with Half Dome at some point, and was, like, so stoked on it, and would just look up photos, and literally, like, Google image Half Dome, and just, like, go page to page, and just look at it for a long time, like, such a loser, but um, oh, that was, like, how I spent my time in Texas, <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, it's interesting, I would say that I grew up in a relatively outdoorsy family, but we didn't, I was never taught, like, the outdoor ethics, and they didn't know those things very much, and we did, like, short hikes, and that kind of thing, but got more into it as Callan and I got married, and started going out west together and really falling in love with these places well and to have such a, a intense road trip so yeah. young and now you're yeah. on the road all the time for your craft that's right. that's pretty cool yeah i i am curious how much that road trip really like played into who i am today it sounds like probably quite a bit yeah yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide to that elopement photography would be the thing i mean that's uh it's a pretty big moment in someone's life, and now you're outdoors. Everything is so high value. Yeah. Um, when did when did that turning point occur for you? So for us, it's funny. Callan and I, when we first got married, we moved to the Woodlands, Texas, um, just outside of Houston. It's like the definition of suburb. And 
yeah, I looked up the Woodlands, and she's super right. Not only is it a master-planned community, but it's also a bedroom community, which, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's where people sleep, and eat, and commute from. Normally, these towns only have small local retail and restaurants, but it's commuting distance to a major corporate campus. Anyways, facts and knowledge are fun, right? Okay, back to Abby. We had a really amazing community of people there, but as far as adventure goes, we were not very satisfied. Um, Callan tried really hard to make adventure work out there, but there's no rocks and it's like (laughs) so hot and there's mosquitoes and we just, I always wanted to be inside when we were living there. Um, But we started doing these big road trips and we would take two weeks and drive out. Um, On our first big road trip, we found Moab. It was July. It was 110 degrees outside and absolutely miserable. (laughs) I like, when we were camping, I came across um, this rock that had probably 25 black widows on it. And I had like a full on panic, like got in the Subaru, started crying and was like, I hate this. Like, I don't like these trips. I want to stay in hotels. This is stupid to camp. Like, (laughs) this is so dumb. And just like full meltdown, decided I hated Moab. Um, And then we came home and something about it really stuck with me. And we decided to go back in the fall and give it another chance, which was in October. And it was prime, perfect conditions. And then we were in love with it. Um, But yeah, so we were doing these road trips for about two years while shooting more normal traditional weddings in Texas, um, country clubs in Houston, that kind of thing. And one thing that's interesting is we really loved all of it. A lot of elopement photographers like burned out on big weddings and then they go for elopements. We were so fortunate to always work with amazing couples and have a blast at every wedding we did. Um, But... When we finally decided to hit the road, we had one wedding in California booked and then one in Texas. And we figured if we could shoot three weddings in a year, like just the number three, one, two, three, we could make enough money to live on BLM land and eat like peanut butter tortillas, (laughs) (laughs) which was pretty much what we were doing anyway for our road trips. And so we were like, let's just do this and go for it. And it was a really hard decision because Callan loved the job he had in the woodlands and we loved our community there so much there were amazing people that we before this really thought we were going to spend the rest of our life living with like living around and you know we thought we were gonna have kids there and do the whole thing um but we were drawn west and we knew that we belonged in moab i remember we did our last final road trip before hitting the road was this big we drove from houston to canada and back in three weeks and I remember at the end of it, we went through Moab, and as we were leaving Moab, we both were just, like, bawling, (laughs) and, like, we first were kind of trying to hide it from each other, because we, like, were, I was just sad, and he was sad, and then we were both realized we were both crying, and we were like, dude, we belong here, (laughs) like, something's got to change, we don't want to go back to Houston right now, Um, and so we decided that was in July, and we decided that when our lease ended in September, we were going to hit the road, and try and book three weddings the following year (laughs) and see if we could do it um and that was september 2016 so wow 2017 we ended up booking 20 weddings and 55 adventure sessions and obviously it took off um so i would say our turning point really was deciding to hit the road it was just deciding like we're gonna go for it we care about being in these places we want to be in moab and yosemite as much as we possibly can and the only way to do that is to live in our car in those places um because we had no budget to buy 
a house or live in either of those places or move or find jobs there. Um, so we just went for it. And our first elopement, we booked shortly after we hit the road. Um, and it was a couple that actually booked us pretty much purely because of our landscape portfolio. They knew that we shot weddings in Texas, but they really loved our connection to the lands and the photos that we had taken in these beautiful places. And they trusted that we could combine the two. And we did. And it was amazing. And yeah, after that, we were like, we don't want to shoot another big wedding again. That was awesome. It was so intimate and so <laughs> sweet and so intentional. Um, and we just loved the experience so much. So we full on branded for elopements and said, this is what we do now. And just again, we did not have these big lofty goals. We really were like, if we can book a few of these a year in the places that we're traveling to, then we'll be able to keep traveling and climbing and skydiving and doing the places like doing the things we love in the places we love and and then it just blew up I mean people yeah people are attracted to people that get amongst it I would say like people are drawn to that and to us loving the land and us loving Yosemite and Moab so much it draws couples to us and to work with us there and obviously the more we booked the more people saw that we were killing it and wanted to work with us and it just went from there I would definitely agree with that. And I think a lot of it is that connection that the two of you have to all these spaces. Mm -hmm. And when someone writes in, they're talking directly to you and they're going to deal with you and not, you know, have to be this kind of canned experience. Right. And, you know, the conversation we had earlier over breakfast that <laughs> this makes me sound like an old man, like I'm becoming my <laughs> father. People are so afraid just to put the hard work in it sometimes. Yeah. They want beautiful glamorous printer they want someone to hand them a portfolio and a bunch of clients and go out and do these things where <laughs> I, I love that you guys had you were just Subaru and a, like a teardrop trailer right? oh I mean teardrop is like a nice word for it <laughs> it was a it was basically like if you take a truck bed and then put a shell over it that was it like it was what? just the bed and then storage under like and when the bed was closed on us, it was literally like a coffin. Like our friends would be like, I could not sleep in that because it is too grim. But it worked <laughs> for us. And it was so stealthy. We could sleep in that anywhere because no one thought we were sleeping in it because it looked like a storage trailer. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one would want to yeah, sleep in it. it was How great. long did you, was that before you upgraded to the ProMaster? Yes. So we were in that for eight months. Um, yeah, through time. the winter in oh. Moab, we would like wake up. It was so funny. We'd wake up in Moab and the rim of the camper, like two feet above our heads was just frozen, like a walk-in freezer. There'd be ice in it from our condensation. <laughs> and then oh we would like during the day, we'd go adventure, leave the trailer where it was. And that would melt onto the sheets and we'd come back at night and the sheets would be frozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was so grim. But we, I mean, we didn't know any better. And we had previously been doing our road trip sleeping in the back of our Subaru or in a tent. So having a bed set up that we towed was amazing. And we were stoked on it. <laughs> and then, yeah, we got to the point where we were like, we're going to keep living on the road and we want to grow this business more and let's upgrade a little bit. So we <laughs> got the ProMaster in, in March the following year and like hit the road in April. Callan built it out really fast. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really fast. Yeah. He, I think it was like two and a half weeks, like 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. every single day. And in the meantime, when he was doing that, I was switching our business from Abby Hearn Photography to the Hearns Adventure Photography. That was kind of when we made that transition. And once again, was a big turning point for us to just like fully brand for that. Wow. Because that's about when I started following the two oh, of you yeah. on Instagram. 
because um, I remember the ProMaster, <laughs> yeah. and I remember thinking that thing must have taken a year to build out. It no. looked great. <laughs> <laughs> it looked great in photos, and it was. We were always joked that if you would like go stand in it and shake your head back and forth, it looked really, really nice. <laughs> but if you like looked close, there was definitely exposed wire and that kind of thing. I mean, it it was not like a custom Sprinter build that you <laughs> you see some people have. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're going to talk about vehicles, so the one you have now, this house Monster on wheels. Truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We um so we lived in the Promaster for let's see. It was a, I guess almost a year and a half. Um and it served us so well. It was amazing, but we did get to the point where we were working way more and just honestly making more money and we're like we can afford to live a little better. Um and Callan started looking on Craigslist and it was really funny because he would look on Craigslist and this like overlanding forum and he kept telling me, I'm just looking like it's not, we're not going to get anything. And I <laughs> joked, I think I joked in June, I was like, we are going to be in a new rig by the end of the summer because you're looking at stuff. And yeah, he was like, no, we're looking. not. <laughs> yeah. Like he was like, no, we're not. We're not. I'm just looking. I just want to see what's out there. Sure enough. We got this truck in August. <laughs> um, but yeah, we found this perfect build it's a custom camper when we bought it it was built on an isuzu um npr and that had been converted to four by four but needed i don't totally know truck things but it basically needed like a fab to be able to switch to four by four um and that kind of thing but mainly we weren't very comfortable in it and with us living on the road and driving so much we found that we needed a bigger more reliable truck with more power um driving over tioga pass with the isuzu we would go like eight miles an hour going like <laughs> pedal to the like metal crawling. it was grim <laughs> yeah so um for those of you that have never traveled tioga pass it definitely puts your engine to work in fact it's the highest mountain pass in all of california then this fall, we just got the truck in August, but this fall we kind of started looking at getting a new flatbed to move the camper onto, um, which we knew was a possibility when we bought the camper. And yeah, so we've just switched that over. It was a bit of a cluster to do that <laughs> over Christmas break and get it done and like find someone we trusted to put our whole house on little struts and then move and put another truck under it and fab all of that. But um, it seems bomber now and we're really happy with it and it's great. So yeah, I enjoyed, uh, nerding out over that yeah. truck with Cal this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Which is kind of funny because <laughs> the truck is, you don't have it right now. Right. It's, it's being just repaired or. Um, it's actually totally ready. We just decided to fly out here because right. it was easier to do that. Yeah. So you're going to get it yeah. and then drive it to and Moab. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because next week, which I guess by the time this podcast comes out, it will already be done. We're closing on an actual real life homestead in Moab, <laughs> a, a real, real life home homestead. that has an address and stays put. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's part of the definition of your home. It stays put. Yeah, yeah. Because when we got the truck, we were like, we're moving. Just to a new truck. And I think when we bought the van, we were like, we bought a house. But um, this time, we actually legit bought a house. It's we'll amazing. have it in Moab. Yeah, we're real adults now. I real guess. adults. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it, just, it only gets worse from here. Great. So you just, you, you made a mistake. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> I mean, we figured like buying in Moab, we were like, every Moab adult we know that's a homeowner there still has a lot of kid in them. So we're pretty stoked on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. 
And it's a huge tangible example of everything you've done mm-hmm. that you know you went from saying okay well we're gonna sleep on, in blm land and <laughs> eat peanut butter and tortillas <laughs> yeah <laughs> to having a home on wheels and a home that stays put <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty wild i i always have this thing callan makes fun of me for it but i'm always like oh i wish i could go back and like tell myself this and see how much it would blow my mind you know and I've had so many of those moments in the past few years from if I could go back and tell myself that you're going to be a solo skydiver one day or tell myself that I'm going to get a house in Moab and be part of the amazing community there. I mean, there's just so many things that... Speaking of time travel, if you'd like to hear Daniel Radcliffe read an amazing short story titled The Present from a This American Life podcast, then check out the link in the show notes. Oh, and warning, it will probably break your heart a little bit. Okay, a lot bit. Actually, full disclaimer here, I was driving to Paige for this podcast on Valentine's Day, 11 hours on the road. Halfway through, I listened to this story. So, yeah, I may have been tired and I may have had a feeling or two. I feel like we've just continued following as cheesy as it is, we've continued following our hearts and where that's drawn us, and it's taken us to the most amazing experiences, the most amazing job, amazing friends. It's pretty cool. I, I don't think it's cheesy <laughs> at all. I think it's beautiful because I think society, the expectation is we will set an end goal, mm-hmm. and that end goal is usually attached to you know it's, it's achieving something through work and pay or whatever that is. Um, and then the heart stuff, you put aside, kind of like, okay, it's over here, just out of view a little bit. And then once I've achieved all these successes, and let's just be honest, when I retire, I can bring these hard things back in. Yeah. But look what you can do if you just say, no, yeah. the hard things are what matter the most. And right. you and Cal are in your mid-20s? Yeah, I'm 24. He's 20. He's 27. That's amazing. So he's getting up there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, oh, Okay. <laughs> Okay, I've got some age on you, so just watch it here, yeah, Happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. It's cool. It's been a big process, a huge combination of luck, but I would say a lot of it is being hardworking and being prepared to respond to luck. And that's something that I can't even remember the where I heard this or what the exact quote was, but I heard someone talk about one time how we all get these what you call lucky experiences handed to us. And a lot of us just ignore them, walk away. We're not prepared to deal with them. We're not prepared to make the best of them. Um, But the people that look back on their life and they're like, oh, that was luck. It was actually that luck came your way and you knew exactly how to respond and you took full advantage of it. Um, So I think for us, it's been that. It's been like, we've had these great things come our way, but we have taken full advantage of them and done whatever we possibly could to get where we want to be and just continue to like you said be continue to change and grow and just see where life is going to take us that's real i like that responding to luck i mean that's like the conversation we had on the drive over here um we all are afforded certain privileges Mm -hmm. and to be aware of that and to accept it but also not feel like you need to hold yourself back because of it like you know right i feel guilty for that I feel like that's the same thing. Like, it's very fortunate to have these lucky scenarios. But you're right. People don't always know how to respond to them or put them in a situation through hard work, through sleeping in a coffin that's freezing (laughs) at night and soaking wet when they get back into it to 
be in that scenario to say that I can respond to it and be ready to react. Absolutely. And that is also putting yourself out there kind of just eking by on a little bit and uh, being ready and just being there. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, my mind's kind of reeling in that right now. I had a conversation recently with a friend about, she sent me a quote one morning that, you know, we had talked that night about saying yes, just always say yes and mm -hmm. figure out a way to make it work. And the quote was along the lines that um, when you say yes, you have to also say no to something, Yeah. but have a bigger yes in mind. The quote by Stephen Covey, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage pleasantly, smilingly, and non-apologetically to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. Um, and I feel like this is all very similar. When good things, when luck happens upon you, you have to be ready to react to it. Totally. So what does that look like for you um, when like a really great situation came and you had to react and maybe someone else wouldn't be in the position to if they weren't in, you know, work out <laughs> yeah um i mean i think one of the most obvious examples i can find is that first elopement i think it is pretty lucky that someone was willing to book us based on just a landscape portfolio i mean a lot of people need to show that they can shoot photos of people in the outdoors before someone hires them to shoot photos of them in the outdoors um and i think it was pretty lucky that that couple contacted us and wanted to work with us and was willing to hire us. And I would say from that single elopement, I had done so much research on how to optimize my website and my blogs for um, search engine optimization. And I already had a lot of experience growing an Instagram following just from doing our own adventures and posting that and sharing our stories that basically from that one elopement, I was able to market it on our social media and on our website and show we are elopement photographers and just really like <laughs> take it and run. And we booked so many more from that one. And then the more we shot, the more it grew, but yeah, taking advantage of the one experience, the one thing that came our way that was probably pretty lucky that that couple trusted us and growing into something that now we're like the go-to for this exact service. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that that adds any pressure and complication now because, I mean, you're leading workshops and mm -hmm. you have a huge Instagram following. And whenever I would mention to friends that, you know, I was, we were doing this podcast, they were immediately you know, <laughs> geeked out and um, they, they know exactly who the two of you are in every photo. Do you find that couples have an expectation like, I want this exact photo. I want it to look just like this. And does it add pressure? Um. So I would say when we first started growing, I found myself feeling pretty high pressure to continually put out like interesting new content. And one interesting thing is in the photography world, people are huge on like not wanting to shoot in the same place twice or they'll be like, OK, well, I don't want to shoot in Yosemite because all of these other people shoot in Yosemite. Um, we have never thought that way. We've always cared about what our couples want. And if our couples want to go to Taft Point and we've already been to Taft Point three times that week, we're going to take that couple to Taft Point. And it's really fun for us because we love going to a place that's familiar to us and new to someone, new to our couple and showing it to them and seeing, experiencing it with them. Um, I think last year, like last June, we hiked, the Taft Point trail is two miles and we hiked 
22 miles of it in the course of two weeks. That's how many times we went out there with couples. Um, and I never got tired of it. Every single time it was amazing. And that's the thing. Like if you go to Yosemite, if you hike out to Taft Point yourself, how could you get tired of it? How could you go out there and be like, oh, other people have these photos. I'm not interested. Like that's not how it works for me. I want to go out there to see the place and to take photos of this specific couple out in that place. Um, and so I did at first feel pressure to put out new things, do new elopements, do new stuff. And after we shot, we did a, a wedding on a space net in Moab. I remember those yeah. photos. Those were amazing. That was, that went viral. It was huge. That's kind of like most people I meet, that's what they know us for. They'll be like, oh my God, that spider web wedding. Like what happened to face jumpers and all this, you know, and they've seen the videos or whatever. Um, and after that, for a second, I felt like, dang, we've like reached our prime. We've hit this, we've done this wedding that we're not going to shoot anything more extreme than this ever. And um, then I realized like, that's ridiculous for us. We're doing this to serve individual couples, give them the best possible experience they can have the, on their wedding day. And then personally, the reason we keep doing it is because it facilitates our own adventures. And so as long as those things are being fulfilled, I'm not very concerned about continually impressing my crowd or anything like that. Um, and then as far as our couples go, they, the ones that end up working with us almost always just fully trust us to create an amazing experience for them. And so if they are coming to us wanting a specific photo of them at the specific place in Yosemite, it's typically not the couple we end up working with um, just because they're, they're not looking to experience Yosemite. They're looking to get a shot there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So that's for us. We just really connect with the couples that want to have this amazing experience. And one of my favorite things in the world, and it happens so often is at the end of a wedding day, we've shot all these photos and, you know, we're here to be the photographers but a lot of times at the end of the wedding day, our couples will say something along the lines of like, I don't need to see the photos. I'm already glad I hired you guys. Like it's already worth it. You could just throw away the camera and it's been <laughs> worth it. And, you know, for me, like we deliver amazing photos, but the real value in hiring us is the experience and the what we know about these places and what we help our couples do for their wedding is beyond what photos could do that's awesome <laughs> and i mean that speaks so so many volumes to the two of you because it's a big day i mean yeah. it's, it's a high value kind of day and um i think for someone to walk away with that that feeling towards the two of you is that's super special mm -hmm. and, and, and i can get it because just sitting you know having breakfast this morning i was like oh i could i could just sit here with the two of you and hang out all day like <laughs> you know right. it was just so enjoyable to share all the stoke about all these things that we would like to do yeah um it, it's it was cool that you said that you know you're doing it to further your adventures because that is honestly part of why i uh, really enjoy doing this podcast is i get to go to really cool places and meet mm -hmm. really cool people and for me the only expectation is that it's gonna build a great connection and like maybe a friendship right but i also get to chat with people that i'm really interested in so mm. it's very self-serving. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's how I feel with our stuff. I'm like, it's like when we're shooting in Yosemite, um, I think to maybe last fall or the fall before, I guess, um, we shot like three elopements in the week. It was in the span of six days. We shot three elopements, three adventure sessions, and 
or maybe it was two adventure sessions because we had one day off and I spent that day sleeping because I was <laughs> like, this has been such a hectic week. Callan did nose in a day that day with Jordan. Oh, you mean Jordan Cannon, supported by Arcteryx, Metolius, Friction Labs, Scarpa, Maxim Ropes, uh, the one that was on the first episode of a certain podcast by a certain somebody. Eh? Eh? If you haven't done so yet, check it out. Episode one of this podcast. <laughs> and of course he it did. It <laughs> was so awesome because like later when we shot another elopement after that, it was at Cathedral Beach and El Cap was the background and the bride's dad was like, our photographer climbed El Cap this week. This is so cool. Like telling everyone about it. Um, and so, yeah, it's funny because it really is like it's self-serving to an extent because we want to be in Yosemite. And now we have so much demand that we literally like we pick our schedule and then people come to us and we'll have couples that reach out and say, like, where will you be in March? Or they'll ask, when will you be in Yosemite? And then they pick their wedding date based on our availability. And That's so it's incredible. wild because we really can say, like, we want to be in Moab in the spring, Yosemite in June. We go to Alaska in the summer because it's hot everywhere else. We go back to Yosemite in the fall and then back to Moab. And it's like, <laughs> that's our choice. And then people fill it wow. with that. Yeah, it's pretty dreamy. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I would hear about um, retired you know, folks who would buy mm -hmm. an RV and that would they would basically chase the best weather. Yeah. But they were, you know, retired. <laughs> it's so cool that you get to do that and support it with something you love to do. Yeah. Yeah, to turn it into a job is pretty wild. I mean, we have we don't know how else we would do these adventures and how else we would facilitate this. And to find it, I mean, it's just wild. It's beyond anything we would have dreamed for what our careers would be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we don't have to, we only have to talk about as much of this as you want to. Uh -huh. But I, I think it does speak well to how much, to how passionate you are about this and that uh, um, Yosemite does have some, some challenges for the both of you now at this point you've been through some experiences out there um cal was up there with jordan and jared during the accident mm -hmm. and um, um there was uh, an accident up at taft point so that these things that probably are weighing heavy on both of you yet you're still drawn to go back and you were excited to go back because you love what you do so much and you love that space mm -hmm. and um i mean if you want if you want to chat about that yeah um it's interesting i I actually fell in love with the outdoors through adventure novels and like reading these books and reading um, Into Thin Air by John Krakauer oh, was so one of the good. first ones I read and it like blew my mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Enduring Patagonia by Gregory Crouch was huge. And later learning to fly by Steph Davis, I like single-handedly changed my life. It's really? the reason I'm a skydiver. It's possibly the reason I love Moab so much. I don't know because it was also while I was experiencing Moab. But definitely her book, I mean, in so many ways, like changed my thinking towards fear and all of those things. Well, I'm adding this to my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Oh, my gosh. Definitely read it. Um, but reading all of those books, you definitely know that accidents and death happen in the mountains. That's it's a big part of this um, this lifestyle. And that was something that even as we started making friends in Moab and we started making more friends in the base jumping community, Callan and I had a conversation one time where I was like, this is weird to me to um, make these friends and fall in love with these people and know that what they're doing is so dangerous and know that 
in this community, it, the stats are not good. Um, and that it is hard and it's weird to have at this age experienced that um, already. And a lot of people get to go their whole life and never watch somebody die. And I won't speak too much to Callan's experience because I was I was at Cathedral Beach. I was not in the meadow. I didn't see it happen. Um, I was there when the boys got down and helped them through the rest of the day for sure. But I did not have to experience the actual trauma. Um, but definitely, I mean, it sucks. And it's not not what you want to see and not what you want to experience and not what you want to be tied to and what you want to tie the thing that you love like rock climbing or Yosemite um to relate it to that and I know for me I had been like sitting at Cathedral Beach and reflecting on how much I loved the place and almost I had these feelings thinking of how powerful it was and how much it's just this giant you know I was looking right at El Cap and thinking it's this giant mountain that we don't have control over and it's weird because I was thinking all of that not knowing that that was happening right around the corner on the other side of the nose. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it was a weird experience to then go back and hear from Callan what had happened and process the rest of the day and week and months with them. But um, I would say for us, it's just the places they give us more than they've taken away so far. Um, I don't know if I'll always be able to say that. And I still thankfully have never lost anyone super close to me from an outdoor related accident but I think I've seen the joy that it brings our community and even for something like base jumping that is so dangerous and I am almost certain I'll never do it I see what it does for my friends that do take part in that and I see that it's more than just an adrenaline rush and that it brings our community so close I mean one of the amazing things about the Moab community is because of what they've experienced they hug each other every single time they see each other and they hug each other every single time they say goodbye and they say I love you to each other all the time and that's something that I didn't see in my safe community back home as much um, where you're not thinking about those things all the time and so it's interesting because it definitely you know death is part of life and we really try and avoid it and we avoid experiencing it with the people we love but um, it happens and it's been interesting too this past few months because this is so we're February and July at the very end of July my dad was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor um, and it was a complete shock to us we didn't know the tumor and I'm only comfortable sharing this because Abby and her family were so brave to share it with everyone for support and transparency is a stage 4 glioblastoma with no known cure. I really want to mention that in part because Abby demonstrates such a high amount of strength in speaking about such a heartbreaking ordeal and allowing herself to heal and in not hiding any of it from the world. If only we could all be this strong. And he was told that if he didn't have surgery, he had three months to live. And if he had surgery, it could potentially give us 18 months. And to have that happen after such a strange year of these like sudden deaths that were rock climbing related or, you know, whatever else. Um, it's been weird to see, like you can live your life safely and you can live in a house in the suburbs in Austin and, you know, 
relatively stay safe and still it's going to come at some point. And for a lot of people, it comes and we don't expect it for most of us, yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like <laughs> most people, it's not something that you're expecting. And um, yeah, so it's been weird. But I think for me, it's just shown that we we're all going to die and I want to enjoy life as much as I can before that happens. And it's always a balance. I mean, I, I actually haven't skydived. I only jumped once since finding out about my dad's tumor and um, it was in August with some friends and I, like in some ways we've been busy and I can come up with other excuses for why I haven't jumped but a big part of it has just been it's like this weird realization of how horrible that would be if that went poorly and skydiving is really safe I mean it's way safer than like driving your car on the highway statistically <laughs> um, and I still am just a little freaked by it right now and you know, I think it's just all about listening to yourself and listening to like how you're feeling and don't force yourself to keep doing an activity if it does become scary to you. But also it's important to evaluate fear and figure out where it's coming from and why you're feeling it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, especially outdoors, it's you're up against it and yeah. you're putting yourself in these scenarios where the outcome is not certain. And I mean, I always make the dark joke that the greatest punchline of life is that you die, right? Yeah. You do all these things and then you just die. Um, but when you're outside and your community is all based on outdoor adventure, you're more aware of it. And I, mm -hmm. I really, 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 really love that you use the, the image of like all your friends. They say hello, they hug. When they mm -hmm. say goodbye, they hug and they say I love you because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and... Which is the case for anyone. Exactly. We should all do that. We should always do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love the outdoor community because we're just so, we're more aware of it. Yeah. Maybe not for great reasons, but we are. And we know it's valuable to tell because you just, none of us know. Like, you mm -hmm. like you know, you just have said. Um, but it's so powerful because you do see how happy it makes people. And so you're willing to push that edge a little bit more because it makes your time here so satisfying. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one thing I love about photography because it captures all that. I mean, the first thing that, you know, that Cal said this morning when I told my buddy Joey and I are going to go to um, some climbs Yosemite was, oh, I'll drop in and get some shots. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> despite everything that's happened, none of us are going to stop doing it because right. it's just so wonderful. Um, yeah. And that ties back really well towards the elopement photography and the adventure sessions because you're capturing the greatest moments in the greatest places on earth. And it comes across pretty well yeah. know, in the image yeah and we've had I mean we have a following on our elopement Instagram account of people that are never considering getting married I mean it's people that just love the outdoors and love the adventure and I've had so many people reach out and say like they planned a trip to Yosemite because of my photos and oh, you know awesome. I could I could get bitter and be like <laughs> no it's getting more crowded but in the end it's just so cool to me because I know how much it has changed my life to be in these places and I mean I was always really fearful and my friends would be on a 20 foot cliff and I would be 15 feet back like do not step any closer <laughs> you know like that was for sure me and obviously that's changed and it's because of my experience in the outdoors and because just being around and realizing like my body is capable and I can do these things I can get better at things that I'm bad at um, I can learn how to rock climb if I want to. I don't have to. I can be 
satisfied top roping all the time or I can push myself and learn how to lead climb. You just have so many options and the community is so Hell open yeah. and helpful and wonderful. And yes. <laughs> that's that's huge for me is just finding myself and finding what I love and and being okay with it and being like, yeah, I love to do these things. And maybe I don't push myself as much as this next person, but I could, I could decide to later. And just because I didn't in the past doesn't mean I can't now. And hell yeah. It's yeah. all building. But you yeah. know, going from a Subaru to a pro master to <laughs> right. a giant home to an actual home, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. And, I, and like <laughs> you, like you said earlier, and this is really stuck with me, obviously, because I'm going to bring it up again, um, being able to respond to luck. Yeah. So, like, when you're ready for that lead, if someone's like, yeah, sure, take the sharp end on this. Like, I, I don't mind just giving a catch today. Or, like, today's the day to, like, push myself yeah. on lead. Like, yeah, oh. and I always joke I never turn down a top rope, which <laughs> Callan would joke, Callan would laugh because there are definitely times that I do. But <laughs> my morals and, like, my myself, I think that it's good to just always be willing to do something that if you're surrounded by people that are capable and, um, you know, like a one-pitch top rope thing, you're not going to get hurt probably. It's very safe. If you're with someone that you know, you can trust belaying you. Just going to jump in here real quick. And this is not to argue a point. It's to build on one. Yes, it is very safe if you are with someone you know and you can trust. And you have all the requisite skills as well. If not, jump into your local climbing center's Gym to Crag course. Join the American Alpine Club and attend some group climbing trips with experienced climbers and check out the show notes for some great publications to warn you about the dangers of outdoor climbing. Chance favors the prepared mind. So, if you know what can happen, then you can learn how to avoid it. Okay, stay safe and have fun. Like, even if it's super hard, and even if you cannot make the first move, why would you not tie in and try? Like, exactly. it's worth it. And Hell yes. <laughs> more times it's been better than not for me. And, like, there was... Um, last fall, Jordan and I went out climbing cause he was trying to do all of these towers and arches. And it was really funny. Cause I was like, I am very underqualified to be your climbing partner, but <laughs> Callan was tired and Aaron had already left. And so it was like, he was desperate. He was only going to be able to climb if I went with him. So we did this, we did owl rock, which is a one pitch, like very easy tower. And we both did it and it was great. Super fun. Um, and it was, I mean, for me, I was proud. It was like a proud ascent to do. And then we tried to do the west face of the three gossips. And Jordan got to the top of the first pitch. It was three pitches. And he was like, you are not going to want to do this. <laughs> like, it was so sandy. And it had been rated like one of the best climbs and arches. And it was like the very first hold. You like put your hand in it and pull and just pull sand onto your face. Oh. Like, it was so <laughs> awful. And um, so I was like, well, I'm going to try. Like, I'll try and just battle up. Because I wanted to get up there so that I could at least support him to the top. And um, I made it maybe 20 feet. And it was just so hard. Such a battle. And I was like yeah, no, I can't do this. Very sorry. So we wrapped and we went out to the penguins and that one I was like convinced I could do because I had read about it before and I was like, yeah, I can definitely do this route. And then as Jordan was climbing it, I was like, this looks so hard. <laughs> but if I got to the top of like, I think the first pitch, I would be able to belay him to the top or something like that. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to battle up here. It ended up like, I could not, I mean, I was struggling so hard. It was really difficult and it was higher exposure than I've ever experienced too, because the route like starts up at the top of a little mesa. Um, and so I was pretty freaked out, but I was like, I just need to get up here. And then what we ended up doing was Jordan like hauled me the last, <laughs> like 
six feet, I think. Oh, <laughs> it was so funny because I had fallen off so many times and then I just felt this little like jump and I just went up a little bit and I was like, are you hauling me? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I set up like a three to one. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess this is how this is going to go. But he got me just high enough to like send the gear he needed up and then I was able to blame to the top. So he still got to summon it. <laughs> but it was so funny because at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I'm really sorry that I was such a junk show partner. And, um, you know, he was like, it's fine. Like, I wouldn't have been able to go out and climb today if you hadn't come. And I found myself feeling like, thank you for letting me come. And thank you for hauling me up that portion. And, you know, I mean, I wouldn't otherwise wouldn't have been able to even try those routes yet. And it was a really fun experience to get to go try and to see what I could follow him on and, you know, go out with someone so much more experienced. And he was so kind the whole time and supportive and was like, you can do this. Like, I know you can do this part, put your foot here, you know, like really helping me out. And it was cool. Cause it's definitely to me experiences like that. Um, it's a huge Testament to what the outdoor community is and it's people that just want to get outside. And if you're willing to go out there with them, as long as it's not a dangerous situation, it's worth doing and going with people, even if you're horrible, <laughs> even if you're going to flail and be really embarrassed. <laughs> I entirely agree. It's the the people out there. They just want to be out there. I want to yeah. be out there with good people. I actually, I remember watching that go down in your Insta story. <laughs> and I loved it because you were super honest. You're like, yeah. didn't make it, didn't make it. Yeah, I was like, at least Jordan topped out on this one. <laughs> yeah. But to me, I literally went in the day being like, as long as I get to the top of Owl Rock, I'll be stoked. And that Perfect. was it. I accomplished that Success. goal. And then everything else was fun. And it was a great day in the outdoors. Hells and I was yeah. tired afterwards. And there was like sand in my face and hair and arms and everywhere. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. Great day. <laughs> yeah. So this is a great way to segue into it. I told you this, I thought, in confidence. But I'm going <laughs> to put it here now. Oh, maybe I'll delete it. Because um, you had mentioned earlier, you know, the people who don't even want to get married follow you and. They just go to Yosemite because of the photography and, you know, climbing and all these various things that we both have in common. So I'm thinking now as someone who was totally against getting married again, mm -hmm. my new thought is, all right, what about if I do get married? Because you've kind of made me want to <laughs> find love because the photos are so beautiful. Um, like on a bivy ledge or like yeah. on an actual like, yeah, that would be amazing. On a bivy, like on Oh my gosh. On like El Cap or something like to get a little bit of photography. Dude, El Cap Tower is my dream elopement location. Okay, you Just have gonna to put it out into the like, world. Give me like a year. Give yeah. me a year to convince okay. somebody to, to, to marry me. Give me a year to get fit <laughs> enough to jug up there too because it's going to take a while. Okay, so one year. Yikes. Well, thankfully, there's help. If you're like me and want an elopement photo from a bivy on El Cap with me then send all dating inquiries to my personal dating service on Instagram. That's at A-B-B-I-H-E-A-R-N-E, -E, Abby Hearn. Shoot her a DM. Okay, no, don't do that. Absolutely not. But maybe do that. But then we'll do the, the <laughs> shot and your year follow-up podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. We're actually like talking with a couple right now that wants to do a pretty cool climb for their elopement. And we were trying to pick different locations. And I was talking to Jordan um, and I was like, Jordan, can I get up to El Cap Tower? And he was like, no. <laughs> 
He was like, I know your abilities, and like, you're not gonna get up there. And I was like, okay. I love how so, honest he is. I know, I know. He'll. It's so funny. He'll just be like, you cannot do that. I was talking but, to him about a uh, big wall stuff, and he, I could see his face kind of like, you know, call me my shit. Yeah. And he's like, do you, do you want the big wall lecture? I'm like, <laughs> oh, yes, I think I do, Jordan. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's so funny. I've been telling him like every year that I want to do snake dike on my birthday. And it's so like the reason he will not take me on it yet is he keeps saying he's like, you need to prove to me you can hike up there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we need to hike more talus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I but, love his bluntness. Yeah. It's so Cause great. it's just like, I guess it's pretty straight up, but yeah. he just doesn't believe I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> not not the actual climb just the approach we'll get there though that's amazing sometimes he underestimates me though there so you, go. you know See? like when i did owl rock he was like what <laughs> like, very surprised wrong. so yeah i know jordan if you're listening to this i'm ready to do snake dike oh for my birthday. <laughs> throw down when is your birthday april 3rd oh that's yeah. soon i know i actually so we're actually gonna be in moab and i'm trying to convince him to help me do castleton just Google Castleton Tower and you'll understand. And if you want to climb it, check out Mountain Project. On my actual birthday. That's awesome. We'll see though. Oh man. But yeah, my thing Thank it's you. weird. I'm like not a I'm not like a goal oriented climber. I just obsess over formations and so I just want to be on top of it. Like I <laughs> even if awesome. I jug like I love even that. literally if I jug to the top of it, like I will be stoked. I just want to be on Castleton. The love of nature. So because yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. These these features out there yeah. are just like they capture your, for whatever reason, your your attention and your imagination. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to be on top of something like that, that's an, it's like to conquer it, right? You're right. conquering nature that doesn't give a shit if you're there or not. Yeah. But you're going to get out there. Yeah. And that's <laughs> an adventurous spirit. I mean, yeah. that that had to be a huge part of your success in saying, well... We just want to be out there, so no matter what it takes, we'll be out there. Now, mm -hmm. what, four years later? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's worked pretty well. But what a whirlwind. I yeah. Mean, and I, I think it's so neat. Another reason why I love photography, it's you have something to go back through and look at. So do you do you find yourself doing that, like kind of taking those moments of retrospect and just flipping through old photos and see how maybe you've grown or just remembering moments of growth around those moments? Definitely. I mean, there's, I think some of my favorite times are looking back at something that felt really scary or really impossible. And then now it's like casual and easy. Um, and that's whether it's doing a certain hike or something in the outdoors or um, it's with our business. But yeah, I think, I mean, that's one of the big values of photos, even if they're not beautiful or you know, even if you're just snapping photos with your iPhone, it's just so cool to be able to go back and look and be like, wow, I was so young or I was so inexperienced or I was so happy then. Why was I happy and I'm not happy now? I mean, there's so many things that can be valuable about photos to just look back and reflect. Oh, entirely. Yeah. You know, and I think to, think to folks listening who are probably like waiting to hear some technical advice um, <laughs> rather than that. Because they could find that. <laughs> um, YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> That's my technical <laughs> advice. Do you look back and uh, is it fun to see your own like growth in photography and, and things like that as you look back in old photos? For sure. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, 
I think the biggest thing with like wedding photographers that you see change is editing style. Um, and I actually really love that our editing style has stayed pretty consistent the whole time because we've yeah. always been really big on like true to colors and yeah, you know, like, that. yeah, telling a true story of what actually happened and not like these trees were gray, but when you saw them, they were green. That mm -hmm. makes sense. No. Yeah, exactly um, right. Yeah, so we try and stay true to it, but our photography, it's been cool to see just how much we can capture now and how basically how skilled we are at creating emotion and capturing this actual relationship between the couple as well as their relationship with the landscape. Um, that's always been our biggest goal. And I think that to me is what really stands out is when our couples are like, these photos are beautiful of us, but they're also beautiful landscape photos. And we can see our experience and show our families and you know especially with elopements a lot of times it's not like the families aren't stoked when they first say hey we're gonna go get married in Yosemite <laughs> without you um but our photos have the power to show them why they did it and say you know later on the family will look at it and be like oh yeah that is so them I see it I see the joy in their face I see the place they were at um I completely get it now and that for us is like part of the point of telling our story and telling their story through our photos is just to show every single person that views them like this is who they are this was the best day of their life actually not just like the not wedding magazine tells them it should be but it truly is the most fun exciting adventurous wild emotional day that they've ever experienced because we plan a whole day around that and try and make it happen for them I, I think that is amazing and such an incredible thing to provide because I have a lot of friends that have said, you know, especially the really big one, you almost feel like you weren't even there. Mm -hmm. Everything leading up to it, the whole thing, it's all so stressful. And what you're providing people is truly the best day of their life surrounded by one of the most important moments that they'll ever go through. And I love the photos because you see these really natural happy smiles and people mm -hmm. sometimes doing goofy things or whatever but just being themselves yeah because they're just out there where they love and with with you and cal i mean how could you not be stoked <laughs> to be hanging out with the two of you so yeah we always joke like Callan, his main job is morale management like he is the <laughs> he brings the personality and gets people so comfortable and is just like he's starting all the conversations and I'm worrying about all the technical, like making sure we get all these photos. And then it's also funny cause I typically shoot, um, on like a 35 millimeter or 50 millimeter lens. And so I'm pretty close to the couple, like right there with them, posing oh, yeah. them, interacting with them. Callan is almost always on either 1635 or 7,200. And he's like, we'll be walking and I'll be posing them. And we'll be like, where's Callan? And then he's up on this rock, like way far away. Um, and so he's always, he calls them the hero shots. And it's really funny because his photos typically end up being our couple's favorite photos. <laughs> and he always points that out to me. Like if I post oh, one sure of his photos on Instagram and it does really well, he's like, I took that one. Like let the record show. And I'm like, yes, but I like executed everything to get you to that point and handed you the camera and you like went up and, you know, and so we like. <laughs> We go back and forth and tease each other about, you know, who took which photo and that kind of thing. But it's pretty funny. Like, we definitely bring different things to the table. And our business would be so different if it were just me and Callan were not involved. And he always, like, self-deprecates about his photography skill. And he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just there to assist or whatever. But really, it wouldn't be 
it wouldn't be the Hearns without Callan and right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, he, and I mean, yeah, th- I could see the the morale boosting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> qualities of him. Totally. <laughs> so have have there been any complications just living and working and existing together <laughs> almost twenty four seven for so long? Um, has that ever kind of like manifested in like these? <laughs> In anything that you know of note <laughs> yeah it's definitely sunshine and rainbows all the time forever we're just super in love <laughs> no it's it is hard and it's funny Callan will say that um in a lot of ways living and working in this tiny space together and doing this 24 7 um it kind of accelerates like marriage experience because we cannot get mad at each other and leave like I can't go in a different room um, we literally don't have the option <laughs> and yeah. And so we work through frustrations way quicker, I think, than a typical couple if you're like living in a real place. Also, I mean, just having so many experiences where we really do have to depend on each other and figure out we play different roles in our life living on the road. We play different roles in the business and it has not always been easy. It's still not easy balancing that. There are times where um, we're in Moab for an extended period of time. So we know where we get water and where to shower and where to camp and all of those things. But I'm still working every single day. You know, I'm having to go to the library and then Callan's going hiking and I'll kind of get like frustrated with that. But then there are times where I've got all my work done and he has to drive us from Utah to Yosemite. We have to be there the next day. We have to know where we're going to camp. Our water's almost empty our solar's not getting enough. I mean, so many logistics could go wow. wrong that he's dealing with. And I'm like scrolling on my phone because I don't have work to do. And so it is hard and it creates a lot of tension for us um, pretty often when like if things go wrong, especially, yeah, I mean, if like weather is bad or anything is unideal in van life or now truck life, I guess, <laughs> um, it creates definitely like it's really hard for us to get through that. And and then on top of all of it, we're just trying to be the adventure buddies that we've always been, you know, and yeah. it's like we to find that outside of being coworkers and um, living in such a complicated lifestyle and in Yosemite, figuring out where we can legally camp and not get caught or whatever. And like all of these things, it's it is really difficult, but it also makes for some of the most amazing adventures together and amazing experiences and we know each other so well and we know each other's needs so well. Um, and we have to talk through so many things. I mean, I think a huge thing for our relationship was when Callan realized, or when we both realized that I was okay with him going out and hiking without me. It wasn't sad to me that I was being left at home because I'm pretty much a homebody. I really like staying in the rig. I like, like sitting and working on my computer. I enjoy that. And he enjoys going out and hiking. And for a long time, he thought if he went out and hiked without me, it was sad for me. And I thought if I like asked him to go hike to give me space, that it was sad for him. (laughs) And then we finally communicated it and realized like, oh, this is great. We're both happy (laughs) if like we split up for a second and you go do this thing and I do this thing. And um, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's huge. Communication is the hardest. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And I would say having friends has helped a ton. Like once we've started to build a community and have buddies that we can hang out with separately and just have like a different person that we interact with is major (laughs) um, for our morale and just for like lifestyle. But yeah, it is interesting. And especially with this house thing coming up, we're excited to see, you know, 
how that makes our life easier. And maybe those four months that we're living in Moab this year, it'll be a lot easier for Callan to plan adventures that he can go do that he's not having to worry about like me left in the truck for multiple days or something like that. Um, and I'll be able to have a space that I can get work done and close a door, you know, yeah, <laughs> totally. just simple little things like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is wild. It's interesting. And I definitely don't think the like running a huge business that you're working on all the time while living on the road is for every couple. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I've always respected how honest you both were about all that, though, and not trying to show just the, the beautiful mm-hmm. moments with camp lights set up and, you know, hugging yeah. and happy. Because those moments are great, but the reality is also, I think, great. Because uh, it shows what you, you know, yeah. how you how deeply you're, excuse me, how deep your connection is. And, you know, a lot of couples, like you just said, you can go into one room, they go to the other don't have that luxury when you're on the road right you're in the room (laughs) yeah yeah and you just have logistics you have to deal with and it's like yeah it's wild and it's interesting one of my one of the things I talk to my friends back home about a lot or friends that I make that live in houses um is just that we have ups and downs and we have moments where we're questioning what we're doing with our life and we have moments that we're wondering if our lifestyle is the right decision like we experience all of those things too. And that's something that I think our social media, I try and put it out there as much as possible, but just the nature of having a brand so solidly built around your lifestyle, it kind of makes it seem like your lifestyle is for sure what's right for you and you're confident in it. And this, like we must've been born knowing how to live on the road. And this was like exactly what the right decision was. And we knew, but it took a lot to get to this point and it took a lot of questioning and we still question it all the time. And even with like buying a house, it's we're like, are we selling out? Like, are we quitting living on the road? Is it going to be harder to live on the road after this? Um, But we know that for us, this is the right decision right now. And we have learned that we just follow what feels right right now. And then like think about longevity for sure, but we're probably going to make mistakes at some point and that's just how it is. And hopefully this one isn't, you know, and that's just, that's all you can hope out of any decision you make in life. And I think especially like living on the road and having such a strong social media presence, people assume that that's all figured out and dialed. And like, I must've planned last year that this time this year we'd be buying a house, but it's like, no, I didn't know four months ago that we'd be buying a house. You know, I thought maybe, but not really. <laughs> like it's just all. It's the power of saying yes yeah. and following your heart and right. having a great partner that you can, you know, get through all these things with. And totally. That's really big. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I actually, I feel like we could do a whole episode just on the trials and tribulations of road life, oh cause especially where so many people want to do it now. Um, that one should be with me and Kellen. Yeah, that oh, <laughs> that would that's definitely gonna be the next one. Yeah, that'll be June. When I see you doing Yosemite. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, this feels like a really good place. Um, my favorite part of this is whatever you, that you want people to hear from you. Um, it's all yours. So I think this can apply to anyone, but I want to speak specifically to like females that don't feel like they're outdoorsy or don't feel like they have it in them to be the outdoorsy chick that they look up to. Um, You can do it. (laughs) It's the outdoors are a wonderful place and they're open to all skill levels. And the community that I've experienced so far is so supportive. 
Um, and even if you never did sports and you were terrible at everything that you've ever tried, if you feel drawn to something, go out and try it. If it's rock climbing, go to a gym, try it out. If you love it, develop a community that's going to take you outdoors and it could possibly be the best thing you ever do. And then on top of that, if you're going to go outdoors, learn how to do so sustainably, look up, leave no trace. Think of it as something that you need to respect at all times and that what you do out there has an impact and make sure it's a positive one. Amazing. <laughs> it, it's it's hard to remind myself that the person sitting across from me is 24 years old. <laughs> I'm still not as almost mature 25. as you. Oh, almost. <laughs> okay, now I feel a little better. <sighs> I have a lot of growing to do. <laughs> Abby, that was beautiful. Well said. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. This has been awesome. <laughs> Abby, wow. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing so openly with the podcast. And I'll see you and Cal and Charlie in Moab soon. I do believe that Cal mentioned a hot tub and beers. So yeah, that'll do just fine. The Wildermind Podcast is produced and hosted by yours truly. The theme music is written and performed by my good friend Alexis Tia. Listen, subscribe, rate, enjoy, and tell your family, friends, and strangers. Who knows? Maybe you'll make a new friend. And, as always, to your wildest self, be true.